What is happening, good people? Welcome to another Sports Cards Anonymous podcast. And, uh, you know, thanks so much for being here. Let's just go ahead and get it started. Let's talk about some news, some big news that kind of just broke, I guess you could say. Upper Deck signed an extension uh, with an exclusive rights to um, physical trading cards and NFTs with uh, the NHL. This is kind of big news. Uh, there was a lot of speculation that Fanatics maybe could buy out Upper Deck, you know, move into that hockey space and then get the knowledge of Upper Deck from a card manufacturing perspective, you know, standpoint. Um, and I guess similar to when you look at baseball and football, Fanatics kind of moved in and kind of cut the leverage out of Panini and Tops to argue to negotiate their positions <clears throat> because, I mean, they've lost the rights, right? Panini and Tops lost the rights to their sports. But Upper Deck continuing, you know, extending their rights with hockey is an interesting twist here. Um, it, it, it would certainly make the acquisition of Upper Deck more difficult for Fanatics, and by difficult I just mean pricey, I suppose. But it also gives Upper Deck some staying power and a little bit of independence saying, you know, we can go do this, we don't really need you. Um, it, it kind of surprising to me, I, I haven't seen details on the deal for, one, how long the extension is or what the price was, um, but I, I'm somewhat surprised. Well, I don't know what Upper Deck paid. I'm kind of surprised the NHL and then the NHL, you know, union would sign with Upper Deck, you know, unless Upper Deck really forked over some money. Um, but also conversely, maybe the NHL, NHL said, you know, you've been a good partner for us and we want to continue that partnership. I mean, but like we saw in baseball and f- football and basketball, you know, Fanatics was paying 10x what Tops and Panini was paying. So it's hard for me to imagine the NHL and then the players union. Uh, turning that down, especially the union. I mean, they have to do what's best for the players, and it's hard to turn down that type of money, I think. But again, I, I don't know the the final details of the deal yet, I, at least from what I've read that hasn't been disclosed. We just know that they signed an extension. Um, And then kind of, well, I guess to follow up on that, you know, they do have the rights to the NFTs. And then continuing with the NFT thought here, um, Candy which is a digital online marketplace for NFTs that is owned by Fanatics. Uh, they, similar to the Fanatics Trading Card Company, did a little bit of a fundraiser. They raised $100 million in funds, and that company is now valued at one, $1.5 billion, I believe. Uh, let me double-check that as I look here. Yeah, $1.5 billion. So, you know, pretty, pretty solid valuation there for them. Uh, Candy does own um, the rights to... It's the official NFT partner of Major League Baseball. That's the way it's worded. Uh, Candy is the official NFT uh, partner of Major League Baseball. So, and if you go check out Candy, you know, it's kind of cool, whatever. They got some cool NFTs on there and stuff. And I've never, I'm not really an NFT guy. I haven't really bought some, but I might buy some of these just to try it out. I mean, my Astros are in the World Series. I might get one for that and just see what that does over time. Who knows? I, I really don't care. I think it's interesting. I think it's an interesting space. It's not something that I really understand, like from a collector's perspective. Uh, it's certainly different, um, and you know I understand that some people see appeal to it, and I just think you know for a twenty dollar gamble here or there, why not take a stab at it? That's kind of how I've been looking at it. Um, but this is just a, a continued reminder that Fanatics is really going full bur full bore into the hobby and trying to own every aspect of it. Own, own. Is that right? influence own i think own i think own is the right word there they're trying to own every aspect of it and that's okay maybe it's not okay i don't know i'm here for the change i I gotta be honest with you you know i'm not someone who's like scared of change i mean what's the worst case scenario right 
Fanatics just absolutely ruins modern cards. So we all just go buy and trade in 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s, and 50s cards. Like, okay, it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, we'll figure it out. So I, I, I'm liking the change because, quite frankly, to me, in my opinion, the products that Topps and Panini have been putting out recently were kind of stale. You know, to me, it feels like there was a lack of, um, of pushing boundaries of what cards could be and how awesome they could be. I mean, really, it's, it's ridiculous that cards, you know, 2021 Topps, 2020 Prism, it's ridiculous that cars and car design are getting worse. Like, why is this not getting better? Come on, this is ludicrous. You know, and people, people I've seen uh, some comments saying like, you know, some people say we're in a junk wax era again. And some people are like, you don't understand how mass produced, you know, the junk wax era was. Um, but I saw that there are estimates of over 500,000 print runs for base tops paper. And I was like, holy smokes, that is insane. 500,000? print run you know that's per card i'm like my goodness i we really are in the junk wax era if that's the case so again fanatics they got a lot going on they're doing a lot we'll see how it goes you know and uh candy and that whole thing is just another reminder and i mean i don't know yeah i would say that if you're intrigued by nfts like i have to say at this point i am intrigued um i think that candy's a good one to go check out i mean it being owned by Fanatics, I think it's a big deal. Um, and I know Gary V, I believe, is a um, is a owner in that group as well. So I, I think there's a lot of hype, and you know that's the the company. Like my issue with Top Shot when they first started was like I tried to go on there and buy stuff, but they wanted my social and all this other crap, and I'm like, nah, get out of town. I'm not giving this to you, you know. Um, but this is a respectable company, Fanatics, respectable, you know, big company. So I kind of trust what they got going on. All right. Get out of the news. Well, let's talk about this. I want to talk a little bit about uh, Patrick Mahomes, for those of you who are still with me. Um, I had opined some time ago that I would like a Mahomes rookie, but the problem with his card prices are there's at least three Super Bowls baked into his prices. He's only won one, and he's been to two, and there's at least three Super Bowl rings baked into his prices. That's like just my opinion. Looking at his prices... That's my opinion. That And so what I'm saying is the market expects him to win three rings. <clears throat> and my argument was, like, I really want one of these cards, but three rings, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to happen. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Because when you look at what Mahomes has around him, you've got arguably the best offensive mind in football, maybe in football's history with Andy Reid. You have arguably the best deep threat wide receiver in the league's history with, Trav- or with uh, Tyree Kill. And you have inarguably one of the better tight end weapons in league's history with Travis Kelsey. And then you look at the Chiefs this year, you know, they put together a great offensive line in front of him, things like that. Things are going the right direction for that team. And so what I'm saying is you look at Mahomes and his supporting cast. It literally cannot be better. And he's got a window with this team now. However long this, this team stays together, the team being him, Reed, Kelsey, and Hill, that's his real window to really win some championships. And if he does not take advantage of this opportunity and win one more with this supporting cast, I think we're going to look at Mahomes much more like Aaron Rodgers than Tom Brady. And what we've seen this year is Patrick Mahomes is being plagued by the issues that were on his scouting reports coming out of college. Turnover prone makes bad decisions, plays in a hurry. 
These are things he's been doing this year, leading the Chiefs to a 3-4 and four record out of the gate. And frankly, I mean, I don't know. It's hard for me to say they're not going to make the playoffs. <clears throat> I do think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs now at this point. They're 5-2. and two. Um, I think the firing of Gruden is going to give that that organization a lot of juice, and they're really going to be fighting the rest of the year. I think they I think they're super amped up to play. Um, I like the Raiders the rest of the year to maybe I, I, honestly at this point win that division. You have to remember though, this seventeen game season. These 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 teams still have ten games left apiece. So there's a lot of football left to be played. Um, where the Chiefs might get lucky at three and four is that there's you know one extra spot to go in the playoffs. Right, seven teams get in now instead of six. And there's there's been some struggle at the bottom, you know. When you look at that seventh seed in uh, the AFC playoff picture, you know the Colts, you know they're they're making some movement to maybe go into that space right now. That spot's owned by the Browns, but they're kind of trending in the wrong direction, aren't they? We'll see how it goes. I think Keenum's got some magic, and maybe he can kind of pull it together. But and then you you know you've got the Chiefs there as well, and uh, you know obviously I like the Chiefs' chances probably to make the playoffs, but. Uh, the fact is, Mahomes is Mahomes. Listen to me, guys. Mahomes is not playing good football right now. Mahomes is playing like a bad quarterback right now. Bad, and let me bad in in this league, like bottom fifteen. There's just no question. Seventeen turnovers. I mean, he's just he's not playing well, um, and he's got to correct that. You know, whatever it is. Um, I heard something today on the radio. Actually, it was really good. Uh, it was Colin Cowherd, and he said that that. The NFL experience is not one of linear progression. And I was like, that's so spot on. Like, a guy doesn't just get better year after year after year after year after year. Like, if you look at the totality of their career, you would expect them to be better, you know, towards their prime and towards the end than at the beginning. Yes, that's true. But guys do have spikes and peaks and years that they just play absolutely out of their mind. And Mahomes just went through, I guess, a three-year stretch where he was just playing like the best quarterback in football. And now he's taking a back seat to multiple guys at this point. I mean, really, Herbert, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Brady, Aaron Rodgers, all these guys are playing better than Mahomes. And there's no question. I mean, there's no question they're playing better than Mahomes. And so all that to say, right, these guys, they 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 play out of their mind, and then they take a step back and... You know, you, you could look at Mahomes and you may think it's over. I don't think it's over. I don't think there's any question that it's not over. I think Mahomes is a phenomenal NFL quarterback and will continue to be a phenomenal NFL quarterback. I think he's going through a rough patch. And hopefully, you know, with coaching and, you know, a little bit of figuring stuff out, a little bit of tweaking, they can figure it out before the season's over. You know, but this isn't going to be some sustained five-year drought for Patrick Mahomes. I think it could last to the end of the year. But who knows? We'll see how it goes. Um, that said, this might be a great buying opportunity for Mahomes. Right? If you're looking to move into a Mahomes, this might be a good buying opportunity. I'm still going to hold off. I'm not buying him just yet. I still think his prices are a little bit too high. You know, Going into the season, when I was looking at Mahomes, his prices for a PSA 9 Prism Silver of his is about two grand, And that card's only dipped to $1,700. It's only come down $300. Bucks. I said there was three Super Bowls baked into that Mahomes price. And, you know, there's still three Super Bowls baked into it. It hasn't come down. There might be two and a half Super Bowls baked into it at this point, right? Um, and the reality of the situation, like I said, you know, he's got Reed, Hill, and Kelsey. The reality of the situation is, you know, Reed had a health scare this year. Reed does not have, I mean, how much longer is that guy going to coach? 
And I love Andy Reid. He's my favorite coach. I've always loved Andy Reid. You know, I start following football in 99. He's a coach of the Eagles. I like, I love him and McNabb. I, Deuce Staley's one of my favorite players of all time. I've always loved Reid. I, I don't know what it is. I just always liked him. But, I mean, we have to be real here. I don't know how much longer he's going to have to coach. You know, how long is Tyreek going to be the freak that he is before his hamstrings catch up to him? You know, I just say his hamstrings because a lot of times these really fast guys, their hamstrings kind of start to give them fatigue issues. Travis Kelsey, big body tight end. That is just an athletic freak. These guys tend to break down over time. How much longer is he going to be able to go like this? I don't know. You know, we'll see. So Mahomes, good buying opportunity, maybe. But I still like his prices to fall a little bit more. And I mean, the reality of the situation is we may go into the NFL playoffs this year and not have the Chiefs in it. You know, as we go back to that playoff picture I was talking about, you know, in the AFC West, the Chargers and the Raiders are ahead of the Chiefs, and I think that's going to stay the way the entire the entirety of the season. I don't think the Chiefs are going to leapfrog either of those teams at this point. Um, and then you've got the Ravens basically in a lock for one of these wild card spots too. You've got the Browns at four and three, the Chiefs at three and four, who are fighting with the Broncos at three and four, the Pats at three and four, and the Colts at three and four. Not to mention the Steelers, who at time of recording are three and three. So, I mean, there's a lot of competition out there in the AFC. There's a ton of great quarterback play. Man, what about Joey B and the Bengals? Holy smokes, Burrow is looking amazing. Uh, Jamar Chase, oh my God. Jamar Chase says, I'm going to break every record, and everyone gives him all this grief, and what's he do? He goes out and breaks records. This guy is absolutely a monster. I love seeing it for them. You know, Good for the Bengals, good for Joey B, Jamar Chase. I really like those guys. I don't know what it is. I'm really rooting for them. But, um, yeah, so Mahomes is a lesson for us that these goats, these future goats, it's no sure thing. You know, it's it's really hard to play at, you know, top three quarterback level, top three hitting level, top three pitching level over, you know, every year for 25 years. It's what makes Brady so special. It's what made Michael so special. It's what most people believe is going to make Juan Soto so special, right, that he's going to be able to do that. And Mahomes is special, you know, but he's he's volatile. And if you go back and think about his career and you think about all these these little trick plays, these left-handed throws, and all these fun little things he's done throughout his career, and it's always worked. It's just always been magic. Turns out that stuff catches up with you. You know, it's not always going to be magic, and that seems to be what's happening. And it's catching up with him right now. So, um, you know, I like Mahomes. I think he's a great. He seems to be a great person. You know, all reports are he's a really good person. Head on his shoulders, pays attention. You know, is willing to learn and get better. And so, I do think Mahomes is going to get out of this funk. Uh, the big question is when, right? If he doesn't get out of the funk until next season, I don't think now is the best buying opportunity. However, if he is going to get out of the funk, you know, within the next four weeks, well, then now might be the best buying opportunity, right? That's kind of the question is when does he bounce back? And uh, I would think that something like this is kind of hard to correct in season, but I mean, what do I know about anything, right? So um, there's my thoughts on Mahomes, and I guess let me just look up the standings. Is there anything else I want to talk about football? Because there's been a lot of fun football stuff here. Uh, Chargers, man, the Herbert in them. I mean, how good are they looking? The Raiders we already talked about. Let's go over to the NFC. Is there anything going on in the NFC worth talking about? The Cowboys, the most underrated team in football right now, 5-1. and one. What a good team. They've turned out to be CeeDee Lamb. How special is CeeDee Lamb, man? 
CeeDee Lamb, Jamar Chase, it's so much fun watching these young guys play. It really is. I, I'm going to have a blast watching these guys. I probably will be looking to pick up some some real Jamar Chase and some real CeeDee Lamb for the personal collection because I really do like these guys. They seem like a lot of fun. Uh, Cardinals and Rams. Cardinals at 7-0 after whooping up on my Texans. You know, no surprise there. But the Rams, Matt Stafford and MVP talks as predicted by yours truly multiple months ago. Uh, you know, I said, you know, Stafford's going to get traded. He's going to go to a good team, and he's going to look like an MVP. He went to the Rams. I said he's going to look like an MVP. And guess what? He looks like an MVP. Stafford is an amazing talent that's always been handicapped by a shitty franchise. And that's something, if you're going to look out on like a five-year investment strategy window, if you can look at phenomenal players who are handicapped by bad teams, you know, those are good investment opportunities. Matt Stafford is a great case in point uh, of that. Uh, is there anyone else right now? Is there a quarterback right now that could really be handicapped by their team? I think Derek Carr is a good example of that too. I think out there in, in Las Vegas, obviously, you know, the, everything's clicking right now, but there's a, you know, there's just over the years, I've always felt like he's a better quarterback than he gets credit for. You know, people give Vegas Dave a lot of crap for his, his Derek Carr take and like, <laughs> it is what it is. But, uh, you know, Derek Carr actually is a good quarterback. Um, but, uh, yeah. Jets, what a disaster that's been. Deshaun Watson says he wants to play for Robert Sala. That hasn't exactly worked out. That's why maybe some guys aren't the best judge for who the coach should be. But, hey, speaking of Deshaun Watson, in the news now, you know, the Panthers, they drafted they, uh, set my boy Sam Darnold, and uh, now they are hot for trot for Deshaun Watson, and, and the Dolphins are hot for trot for him also. It does appear that a deal will get done before the trade deadline, which is next Monday or Tuesday, November 2nd, I think it is. And, you know, there's always been one, like at any given time, there's always been one team that's kind of hot for Watson. But because there's only one team, there's not that competition driving in a good offer. So nothing's happened. Um, but now you have two teams that are actually pursuing Watson, both of which he wants to play for, which is important because he has a no trade clause. Um, I read reports that the Panthers have offered a package that the Texans are willing to accept. Um, they're just waiting to see what the Dolphins are going to do. The Dolphins have a better stable of picks, I think, that the Texans would prefer to take. You know, the, the Texans reportedly want three first-round picks plus two to three other assets that can be a mix of, of players or picks. And, you know, the Dolphins just have a ton of first-round picks. <laughs> so... I would, you know, as a Texans fan, I would prefer to see a deal with the Dolphins, but I do believe, just from reading that I did earlier in the offseason, I do believe that they're probably he's probably going to get traded to the Panthers. Uh, the owner there is a very aggressive, you know, person who's done well in business, being aggressive, and he's going to continue to be so. Reportedly, he really wanted Watson earlier in the offseason, but the team executives kind of talked him off of it and said, you know, that's probably not the best thing. You know, who knows when he's going to play it, that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, but now with the benching of Darnold and how, you know, poorly Carolina's looked these last few games, it seems like he's probably just going to put his hand down and say, go get me Watson. And so I, I do think the Panthers are going to end up getting Watson. I'm recording this at 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time on 10.25. So if the trade breaks between now and then, that was my my thoughts before then. So, uh, yeah. All right. So that's my football talk. A little bit of fun there. Huh? That was fun. All right. Let's go into some goat talk. We'll do pig or hog here afterward after that. But I want to do some goat talk. We're gonna talk about a guy. This pretty special guy, you know. And he gets some hobby love. He's not disrespected in the hobby, you know. 
but when I looked at his car, I mean, look, this is one that I've been chasing for a while. I just haven't pulled the trigger yet because it's just not high on my priority list because I feel like I'm going to be able to get it, you know, relatively cheap uh, for a long time. Uh, but, you know, this guy has was a phenomenal quarterback, won two Super Bowls, um, has a phenomenal resume off the field as well that I think makes him super attractive as, you know, someone that, that you might want in your PC. I think it's pretty neat. Um, some of you may know already, um, but I'm talking about Roger the Dodger Staubach, Cowboys quarterback. So his rookie card is 1972 tops. And I did a little bit of math on this. I actually am kind of working through like how to evaluate what grade of card I find acceptable to, to put into my collection, right? Like if I want to get one 1972 tops Roger Staubach from my collection, what grade is acceptable to me? Is it strictly eye appeal? Because when you start talking about Roger, now you've got 3,500 graded cards. And so I don't want the worst one. And ones, I mean, a four, you can get a four for like less than 200 bucks. You can get a five for less than 200 bucks. You know, so there's a lot of play there. So you, you got to figure out what are you okay with, with putting in your collection. And so I did the math. And so out of the 3,500 graded cards, um, a PSA four, again, this is only out of PSA, a PSA four is the 25th percentile. So if you get a PSA 4, you know, you've got the bottom 20, you know, you've got the 25th percentile best card, right? So bottom 25% is a way to think at it. If you get a PSA 5, you're at the 44th percentile. So you're nearly in the top half of cards at that point. And if you get a PSA 6, you're in the 66th percentile. So when I broke it down like this, I'm like, well, 4 and 5 are nearly the same price. A six, you start to double. That price goes up to about 400 bucks versus 200 for a five. And so I'm like, you know, a really well, you know, a good eye appeal five, that might be the, that might be the play. You can get that for around 200 bucks and it's going to be in the top 50% of his cards. And to me, that seems like the best value and a good deal. And so that's how I kind of broke it down in my head to kind of see like what I want to target when I do go after it. That's just kind of a side note. I'm not really talking about Roger Stahlbeck at that point. I'm just talking about how... I'm looking at cards, like how I'm making a decision on what cards to add to my PC of a player. And uh, this is something I'm going to continue to kind of explore. <clears throat> I've been doing this a little bit more. I've been looking at some other cards as well. And um, so, yeah, I just think that, you know, a, a sharp PSA 5 uh, might be the play there. You can say this is in the top 50% of his available rookie cards. You get it for 200 bucks. You know, you're pretty happy with that, I think. So uh, then also, if you get a 5.5, five, you know, 5.5, you're, you know, probably in the top 60 60th percentile at that point so i'm just guessing i didn't do the math on five five so uh yeah so anyway back to stallback two super bowls with the cowboys obviously i mean i don't want to say obviously maybe a lot of people don't know you know he he's a football icon <clears throat> he goes to school at the naval academy and this is pretty interesting i actually didn't really know how this worked i, I thought this was pretty interesting he goes to the Naval Academy, and when you come out of the Naval, when you come out of military academy, you know you have an obligation to serve, and uh, it's a four-year obligation. Now they make exemptions, you know, especially for people who are athletes and go into you know pr professional sports because they say the way the the military kind of reasons it is that you know they're doing more good for the military by being you know visible to the public than they would be you know serving. So they do that. But um, Roger graduates. And he's, he wants to go into the Navy. And so he, uh, they find out that he's colorblind, actually, which is kind of interesting. 
And so that, that made him go into the supply corps. So for those of you that aren't familiar, you know, if you're colorblind, it really limits what you can do in the military. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of reasons. And in the Navy, it's specifically important because they have colors red and green for port and starboard. And so if you can't tell the different sides of, you know, a vessel, like that's an issue. <laughs> it's an issue across the board, whether, you know, you're more of combat or if you're even like an electrics, you know, I mean, like there's a ton of issues with it. So, you know, pretty limited. He has to go to supply. Um, he and he could have requested an assignment in the U.S. after graduating, but he wanted to go to Vietnam. And so he did one year in Vietnam and then he came back and, and finished his time in the United States, which is, I mean, pretty amazing that he would request to go to Vietnam. Um, you know, he spent his time kind of on, a, you know, a logistic supply base. You know, it's not like he saw any hard combat or anything, but he was still in Vietnam for a year and he didn't have to be. It's pretty amazing that he would volunteer to do that. Then he does uh, three years here in the States. And during those three years, he's playing football um, for like an on-base, you know, kind of intramural team. However, you know, when he graduated, the Cowboys drafted him. This is pretty cool. This is what I didn't know. They drafted him in the 10th round with um, kind of, it's called a future selection. And so what that is, it's saying that the Cowboys, when Stallback does eventually come into the NFL, they have the right to sign him and for him to play with them. You know, so it's pretty amazing. They draft him in 1964, but because of his military commitment, he's not available to play until 1969. So five years later, he's a 27-year-old rookie. And also of note, he was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFL. You have the NFL and the AFL then. So in 1964, the Kansas City Chiefs drafted him as well. So in the same year, the Cowboys and the Chiefs drafted him. But I guess that's before the merger and then afterwards it merged, I guess. And so there probably wasn't any contention there. I actually didn't see if there was any contention there, but I think they merged in 65. Is that right? I might be wrong there, but anyway, that's just a footnote that I just was going along here. And so it's kind of cool. So while he's still serving, he actually went to the Cowboys minicamp. And, you know, they gave him his playbook and, you know, they taught him some of the stuff. And then while he's playing in these intramural leagues for the Navy, he's using the Cowboys playbook. He's calling Cowboys plays. You know, he's getting ready for that because he knows that's what's coming next. So I thought that was pretty cool, you know. And then, you know, 1969, he resigns his commission just in time to join the Cowboys as they start their camp, and he starts his Cowboy career. Um, now, there's a lot that happened here. Uh, you know, in uh, 70 and 69, Craig Morton's a starter for the Cowboys, and he's a starter for the Cowboys in 70 as well. So Staubach here, 27-year-old rookie, is sitting for two years. And then in 1971, Craig Morton is the starter as the season starts. And then he has a big loss to New Orleans. And then after that, Tom Landry, obviously famous coach for the Cowboys, puts Stallback in as the starter. Stallback plays well. And, uh, you know, he, he starts for a couple games. And then Landry, this is well-documented. I'm sure people, you know, probably have better stories on this than me. You know, this is just me watching some NFL film stuff and knowing this. Landry is out of his mind. <laughs> Landry is very much the Belichick of his day that it's very much about the system. And you're just a cog in the system. You just need to do your job, go out there and do your job. 
It was much more harsh too. Not it's crazy to think that someone's more harsh than Belichick from like an emotional standpoint. Landry still likes Craig Morton. He doesn't like Stallback. And the way I hear Stallback say it is Stallback says because, you know, he Landry wants the plays to be run as he designed, not as Stallback sees on the field. You know, Stallback comes on the field, he wants to change the play a little bit. Landry doesn't like that. So in 1971, you know, Stallback started a couple games and has done well. And Landry, you know, I guess is tired of Stallback changing plays or whatever he does, whatever it is. He's upset with Landry, or he's upset with Stallback. And so he does play-by-play, he switches the quarterback. So, you know, Stallback runs a play, then he runs over to the sideline. And he's run to, as he runs to the sideline, Craig Morton runs onto the field with, for the, with, the play for the ne- with the play call for the next play. Craig Morton runs the play. He runs off the field on run Stallback with the play for the next for the next play. I had the play call for the next play. It's crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, eventually, Stallback just proves that he's clearly the better quarterback, and then he goes on to start for them, obviously, and then wins two Super Bowls. And I still think, you know, after hearing Stallback talk some, I still believe that Landry still was like never really satisfied with Stallback. And because I know Stallback, you know, retired somewhat early. I mean, he retired in 79. He had a 10-year career, and he doesn't really start starting games until year three. You know, and then he's injured in year four. And so year five is when he's really the full-time starter, and then that's it. Uh, And he does that for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, seven, eight years. And, um, yeah, I think that, again, this is just pulling from my memory banks here from watching some Stallback interviews. I believe he said that, uh, you know, there were some issues with his contract and with, with Landry, and he decided just to retire, even though he maybe could have played a little bit longer. So, yeah, Stallback is an interesting, interesting guy. You know, the whole Navy thing. I always liked his cards, too, because it would show, like, on the back a lot of his times. It was, like, did not play because of military service, due to military service. You know, be four years prior to his actual rookie season. And the reason is because of what we just talked about, where the Cowboys took him on a future deal. And he should have been a rookie in, I guess, 1965 or something like that, or 66. And he's not a rookie until 1969 because of his military service. So I think that's pretty cool. I think Stallback's an awesome card, an awesome player. His card is iconic in the hobby, in the football, you know, part of the hobby. And to think that you could get, you know, again, top 50th percentile here, 50th percentile rookie of his, uh, you know, at around 200 bucks, that seems pretty good to me. And I do think Stallback will do well with time. I don't know that all Hall of Famers are going to do well with time. That's not something I'm really certain of. Um, but I do think some do, some will do well. The Cowboys have the biggest fan base in probably American professional sports. I don't think I'm wrong there. The Yankees probably push them, but I would actually pick the, the Cowboys over the Yankees. And maybe I'm wrong, but the Cowboys have a humongous fan base. And I've seen it for the longest time in sports cards. I mean, their their cards just go for an absolute premium. And so I, I think because of that, you know, Stallback's always going to maintain some nostalgia and some relevancy in the hobby. And then on top of that, his military service and just what he did is so unique. And it's, you know, it's a thing that I think is always going to kind of be out there. And then their, their historic fights, too, with the Steelers, him versus Bradshaw. And Bradshaw's certainly a guy that's going to go down, you know, just kind of as a forever guy in football. And so I think his tie to Bradshaw, his tie to Landry, his tie to the Cowboys, his tie to the military, I think all that kind of works out where that's a guy you kind of want in your collection. I think he does well in the hobby long term. But uh, whether he does or not, you can get his cards cheap right now, you know, relatively for what he is, for what the cards are. Again, there's only 3,500 graded with PSA. 
you get a good looking, sharp looking PSA five, you're looking at a you know fiftieth plus percentile of his rookie card. I think that's a good deal at two hundred bucks. You know, to me, that's it's something I'm looking at right now anyway. So, I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, we'll do cash cow and then pig or hog, and then we have um, a discussion with Brad uh, Poche, a hobby enthusiast. Um, so let's go into cash cow. So cash cow. You know, my, my plan for this segment is to give like a pick. Like this player looks like to me like it's undervalued, stuff like that. But I'm always going to be authentic here and give you like what I'm looking at and what I'm thinking, where my headspace is at. And where my headspace is at right now is not a player. It's, again, another segment. You know, last week I told you all vintage. And this week I'm going to tell you autographs. I think autographs are so, so, so undervalued in the hobby right now. And it's, you know, it's probably arrogant to say that you think something's undervalued. I think they're just overlooked. You know, there's just so much in the hobby. It's so easy for people to get pointed in one direction or another and just kind of forget things. And I think autographs are kind of forgotten right now. Same with like game use patches. Y'all know how I feel about that. But autographs specifically, man. And I just actually, just before this, I bought a Nikhil Alexander Walker Contenders Rookie Auto number to 99 uh, in a CSG 9. I, bought, I paid 30 bucks for it. What? 30 bucks? It's phenomenal. On card, beautiful auto. Uh, but anyway, autos of legends, autos of, there's a lot of good rookie autos. I think in football and basketball, they're a little bit overlooked. Baseball, it's always been kind of the driving force, so it's not as overlooked there. But, um, I, you know, some things that I'm, I've been looking for, obviously, you know, on, on card is preferred. You know, a BGS 10 auto is really, you know, really preferred. I mean, that's really what you're looking for. Uh, but I'm looking for, nice signatures i want to see signatures that really add to the card instead of distract from the card and that is you know i looked at the Nikhil alexander walker you got to look at these new guys some of their autographs are so bad and i'm like i look at his auto i'm like it's a good auto it's not you know beautiful like some of those guys from the 50s and 60s but it's a good auto and so i like it it adds to kind of the look of the card uh i, I dig it let me pick it up um so I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to prospect and you're going to look at some of these guys, like Patrick Williams, I think just signs PW. Like to me, that's a turnoff on that card. Like I'm, I don't really want that card. You know, that's that's a pretty bad signature, and I don't know that it really adds to the card. I don't, you know, <clears throat> it, it doesn't look timeless. It doesn't look classic. It looks kind of trashy. And so for autographs, I'm definitely looking at the autograph itself and saying, does this card add to the appeal of? Or does this auto add to the appeal of the card? Kind of like I've done with jerseys, right? Where I've said, like, even if it's not game used, does it add to the appeal of the card? If it's a really nice patch or something, well, I might be interested. And the same way with autos, like, does the auto add to the appeal of the card? Even if it's a sticker auto, you know, if the sticker isn't distracting from the card, you know, that's fine then. I mean, obviously on card is preferred. There's no question. But, I mean, (laughs) this, you know, we all have budgets and we have to play within our budgets. And I'm just saying, like, you know, say you have 50 bucks you want to spend on an auto and maybe there's a couple prospects that you like. I would say pick, you know, pick a guy who's got a nice, auto, assuming, you know, all things equal between these prospects, pick a guy with a nicer auto, try to get an on card. If you can't get an on card, try to find a sticker that's really hard to see, right? Try to get a sticker that just blends into the card. It doesn't, it doesn't highlight that, Hey, this is a sticker auto. Not because you're trying to, bam, you know, bamboozle people, but because at the end of the day, that card looks better because the sticker is not you know, highlight it on the card. You want the card to highlight the player, right? And then, you know, the autograph, you want a clean autograph on there. So it's just kind of my thoughts. 
I've been, I've been spending so much time looking at autos and I really haven't been buying anything. The reason is I've been saving up money for the Dallas card show this coming up weekend, which I'm excited to go do. Um, and I do have quite a bit of money that I'm taking there. I'm pretty excited about it's the most money I've ever taken to a show. Um, but unfortunately eBay just sent a thing saying 5% eBay bucks. And that's why I ended up pulling the trigger on that Nikhil Alexander Walker. Cause I was like, well, I can get 5% for buying this. It's a card I want to buy anyway. So I might as well just pull the trigger now and not wait to try to get a better deal at the, at the show. Right. And at 30 bucks, I mean, I'm like, this is just a bargain. CSG nine numbered to 99, just a bargain. Um, you know, for a, a pretty high upside card there. Um, you know, even if he doesn't really do anything, then I only, I'm only out 30 bucks, but the upside on that card uh, to me is phenomenal. It just seems like a good, good bet there. All right. So that's my cash cow. Now let's do time for pig or hog. All right. And this week we are going to be looking at Lonzo ball. What? That's right. I actually don't know if y'all know that this, but I've always liked Lonzo ball. I like the ball family. I think they're awesome. I know a lot of people have issues with LeVar and he says stuff that's dumb, but at the end of the day, he's raised three kids, you know, put them in college, got two of them in the NBA, a third with an outside shot at the NBA. I think they're good players. I think they're good, solid foundational players. Lonzo Ball, to me, was always a special rookie because he's a guy that you could put in a veteran lineup and let him play, run the point. That's really impressive. You know, people overlook that because, oh, he doesn't drop 30 a game or whatever. Yeah, okay, sure, but he can actually run the point position. And then the scoring is starting to develop. He's getting better at the three-point and he's, you know, going to the Bulls, I thought was good for him. I love what the Bulls did this offseason. Absolutely phenomenal offseason for them. Really turned it around. You know, I was really worried about them going into the offseason because this whole um, Levine, 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 I guess, and Vucevic thing didn't really work last year. But they really retooled, and I think they did a great job. I mean, great job of GMing up there in Chicago. Now, Lonzo, the Bulls start off having a pretty hot, you know, start to the season. His PSA 9 prism silver rookie right between september 10th and september 27th this card traded between 71 dollars and 63 dollars you you could have picked this card up for 70 75 bucks all day long for the whole month of september basically now this card is at 165 dollars with two sales over the last well, the a sale a few weeks ago at $110 and a sale before that at $100. This card is flying up the charts, and I think it should be. You know, a little bit of a spoiler here. I think this is a pig. I think that Lonzo is playing really well. He's coming into his own. He's got a lot of support there with him in Chicago. I think that 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 team makes sense for him. You've got weapons around him that he can utilize. You've got weapons that can create space that can give him a little bit of space to let him shoot threes, which is what he's doing well. He's shooting 38% from three this year already. <clears throat> he shot 37.8 last year, 37.5 in 2019. And then with the Lakers, he was abysmal, right? From three, shooting like 30 and 32. And that's really why he became ex expendable from the Lakers. And a lot of people kind of wrote him off. But the fact is he really worked on getting better at shooting threes and he's done a much better, you know, he's doing a good job of that. And I mean, this is a guy who likely over the course of the season is probably going to average something like 15, 7, and 5. And then also, you know, one plus steals and one plus blocks. You know, he's averaging two blocks a game right now, but that's a little bit ridiculous because he had four against the Pistons. And he's averaging two steals. I mean, this guy's just kind of all over the place. He's going to be a stat sheet stuffer. And I think probably more importantly, the Bulls look like they could actually make a little bit of noise this year. Are they true contenders? I would guess not. 
I would guess not. But you also don't know. You don't know what they're going to do at the deadline. You don't know how this team ends up coming together. I mean, they really could make some noise. I do like them as a dark horse to come out of the East. Now, it's hard to really imagine them coming out of the East, like if we're just being honest. You know, getting through the Bucks, getting through the Sixers, getting through the Nets, these, these are going to be difficult. Uh, but I do like them as a dark horse. Ball, I think his game is going to continue to get better. You know, he's only 23 right now. We saw with Julius Randle, right? These guys start to come into their prime at around 26. And so Ball's one that I like long-term. He's a guy I wouldn't mind picking some up now. Well, maybe not. I mean, the prices are up, you know, but this is not a guy I would not mind picking him up, picking up a couple of his cards right now and trying to hold him for a little while as he develops and gets better. And let's just be real. I mean, Lonzo, you know, he doesn't really have this um, stigma, I guess, but he is kind of a freak athlete. I mean, he, he's an athletic guy. He's 6'6", plays the point, and he's swole, man. He is big, right? A lot of people want LaMelo to look more like Lonzo. And I just, I like Lonzo's game. I like him long-term. I really always have. I don't talk about it much. You know, you know, it's sports cards investor. That's kind of his shtick is that he likes Lonzo Ball. You know, you don't need another Lonzo Ball fan up here, but I do like Lonzo Ball. I mean, there's just no question about it. I do like him. And I had bought a few of his cards on Starstock and stuff, and I've just, you know, kind of sold them as I've moved off the stuff. But I would like to pick up a Prism Silver now. Um, again, the most recent sale was at 165 I think if I could pick one up around between 90 and 100 bucks, I'd probably pick it up and uh, see what happens. But, uh, you know, I mean, this this one spike at 165, the last two sales were 95 and 110. So, you know, this is a pretty big spike. So, you know, maybe it comes down from here. Um, but I do like Lonzo Ball long term. I would say that he is a pig and he needs to get fed, you know, buy him up. That's like how I view him. But again, this is not this is not investment advice. It's just my opinion on cards and how I see him. So uh, go check him out if you're interested and do your own research to decide if it's a good deal for you. Um, but I think that Bulls team, to, and this is last thing I'll say on it, that Bulls team is a fun team. Everybody on that team is, you know, is people like people or, or players people are rooting for. You know, people really do want to see Ball succeed. I think they do. You know, it's kind of a meme and all this and stuff, but I think people really do want to see him succeed. You know, we root for the underdogs. He goes to the Lakers. He's all hyped up by his dad. You feel bad for him because his dad's, you know, doing all this stuff. And then the Lakers drop him because they get LeBron. LeBron's like, I don't want these guys. Get him off the team. Then he goes to the Pelicans. And then, you know, they, they don't want him, so they let him go. And now he's on to the Bulls. And then you've got Levine. Levine is a guy, you know, no one knew of. He works hard. Oh, yeah, he can dunk. That's awesome. But he's not a good player on the court. He's killing it. you got Vucevic, a guy who was stuck in Orlando, just like every good player who is, that gets goes to Orlando happens. He gets stuck there. They finally move out and say, well, maybe he can do something. You get Alex Caruso, you know, this white dude that looks like he's 50, but somehow super athletic and is just a phenomenal basketball player, you know, surprisingly. You get Patrick Williams, right? Patrick Williams is a rookie that a lot of people like from last year and are still really hyped on. That's a guy that a lot of people have pegged to be one of the best, you know, maybe the best rookie coming out of last year's class. He just has so much physical talents, and he seems to be very smart, very, uh, you know, uh, a solid work ethic. You know, this is a team that is full of people that we want to root for. And I think that if they really start to get some momentum going here and really have a good year, I think you could see a lot of Hobby Love go towards the Chicago Bulls. And that I didn't even mention DeMar DeRozan and Kobe White. 
You know, DeMar DeRozan's another guy. He gets tossed around, you know, so-and-so. I think people root for DeRozan. People seem to like DeRozan. Like, who who do you know that just hates DeMar DeRozan? I'll wait. And then Kobe White. You know, we'd all be tickled to death if Kobe White did well, right? I mean, so I think people are going to root for these Bulls and will be happy to see them succeed if they do. So Lonzo Ball is a pig, in my opinion. All right. Um, that's it for the solo part of this podcast. What we're going to do now, we're going to transition over um, to my interview with Brad Poche. He's a hobby enthusiast. Uh, it was great to get to talk to him. It was a, it was a fun interview, fun discussion, I should say. Uh, and, you know, some of this, we're going to be looking at cards and stuff like this. So if you're listening on the podcast, you know, I, I apologize that it may not be the best explanation at some of the visual parts, but, you know, that's just a few minutes in the whole podcast, you know. Um, it is on YouTube, though, and we will have the visuals up on YouTube for y'all to check out. So, Hey, man, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Brad. Until next time, my friends, as always, keep collecting. All right, well, hello, Brad. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Happy uh, happy to get to chat with you. Uh, Brad, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your hobby journey and, and what it is you do or have done in the hobby. Well, um, I'm 35 years old. I uh, started collecting real young, uh, six, seven, around that age. Um, got out of the hobby for 30, 25 years, 25 years, say. And um, saw I was flipping through the Internet one day and I seen a, a card going for insane amounts of money. And it got my attention to it. And uh, I got back into the hobby thinking about money, to, to be completely honest with you. And as the time was going on, it was bringing back my love for for collecting cards. And it's uh, it's completely back just like I was a kid, man. I, I don't want to – I have a hard time moving cards because I'm, I'm a collector at heart for sure. I do trade, buy, and sell, but it's hard at times. It is, man, and so much – I know like for myself, people, you know, they think I'm a flipper or something because I try to sell cards. But as someone who didn't take a break, right, I just kept doing it for 20 years. What you end up with is a shit ton of cards. You know, you got to move off of some of it at some point. And the um, I guess at some point we all just kind of go through that. You, you figure out, you learn how to move off of cards because at some point there's just too many cards to really appreciate. And that's really what so much of my content recently has been driven about how to build a collection and do that stuff because it's something I'm asking myself. Like, how do I really have cards around me that I enjoy seeing, right? So that's kind of part of that. What do you got behind you there, Brad? What's on the sign and what are some of those cards up there? Um, The sign is just my email address, uh, bradtimposche at gmail.com. My YouTube and Facebook, they're identical, Brad Poche Jr. It's not much, but um, it's something me and my son do together. Uh, maybe it'll grow in the future. Um. I have a an Anthony Edwards Youth Explosion autograph here. Um, Lamelo Prism RC Silver. Bring those up. Bring those up. Let's see him a little bit. Put him in the front of the camera a little bit. Yeah, I want to see that Ant Man. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, man, that's pretty sweet. I like Ant Man quite a bit. He doesn't get quite as much love, but I mean his prices aren't cheap, so that's a pretty awesome card. Picked that one up about two weeks ago. Trying not to drop it right now. <laughs> Yeah, um, Zion, uh, Lamelo, Lamelo, and Jaw. I'm not sure if you can see it really well. Or yeah, I see the Jaw. The Jaw is that Donruss PSA nine or ten or something. That's uh, yeah, that's a Jaw ten. Yeah, 
Yep, that's sweet. I like Donruss, man. I like, I'm a simple man. I like some simple paper cards. You know, that's a good time. I do too. That's something. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, all these variations that are coming out is if you go to a LCS, like sometimes the LCS won't even want to, like if you say, oh, this card's worth more than this one because it's this color and it's the identical card, but it's a different variation. I've seen some shop owners not even want to deal with it. They they don't even want to take the time. They say it's too time consuming, all the variations. Wow. That's interesting. And then, well, I see you've got a Saints thing on there and you talked about shops. What kind of part of the, what part of the country are you in? I'm from Covington, Louisiana. Uh, I live in Baton Rouge, um, almost on campus of LSU Tigers. It's like three minutes that way. Yeah. Is there, are there good, is there, you know, a card shop in that area that serves Baton Rouge or? There is, there is. Um, there's uh, about three in Baton Rouge. A fourth one is actually about to open up. I'm friends with a guy named Craig. He's um, opening one up in Prairieville, I'm pretty sure it is, about 20 minutes from Baton Rouge. Yeah. What about, uh, does Baton Rouge, do y'all have many any uh, shows out there? Yeah, um, pretty regular. Haven't had one in a couple weeks, though. Uh, for about two months' time, um, I had a table every weekend for about two months straight. Wow. But yeah. The last couple weekends, uh, not much. I, you'd have to go an hour or two away. Mm -hmm. And you said you had a table on, you know, you got cars back there. So, I mean, what have you been doing in the hobby? I mean, well, first off, you said you took a, a break 25 years. How far back did, or when did you come back to the hobby? How long ago was that now? Three years ago. Three years ago. Awesome. Yeah. And then so, like in these three years, I mean, you said you're mostly buying, but you do have tables. So you obviously, you know, like you said, tr trading and selling some stuff as well. Uh, what is it you've been focused on, you know, moving or buying uh, in the hobby since you've been back or more recently? Um. Well, my focus whenever I go to shows are about to change. I've been putting slabs in cases, and that's pretty much it. Um, I, I see more success coming from other guys at other tables putting dollar bins out. Man, people will go to the dollar bins and have a field day. They love what they find. They're looking for a hidden treasure. And um, that's what I'm actually focusing on now when we're talking in the, about a show. So my next show, I'm going to have more prepared dollar bins, and we'll see how that goes. Um, as for sport-wise, I'm definitely focused on basketball because it's just got hot, you know, the season starting, and, values are going to rise yeah that's what you've been moving so for your dollar bins i mean how are you going to fill up those dollar bins where's that inventory coming from true um that's coming from my bulk boxes hidden in the corner <laughs> hidden hidden in the corner <laughs> in my uh in my card room mm -hmm. yeah just uh you know kind of thinking about just pulling them bulk boxes out and not even comping them really and just throwing cards in there and letting kids and whoever wants to go through them. Yeah. I mean, that's a, honestly a pretty good way to do it. I mean, you know, recently I said that I kind of switched over to Starstock or to ComC from Starstock, but a big reason for that is because I have, you know, just oodles and oodles of cards and to price it and to, you know, list it and to all oh, so much work, man, it's not worth it. And uh, just throwing it to ComC, I felt like I was, yeah, you know, maybe this works out, maybe not. We'll see. But uh, it feels like maybe a dollar bin or, you know, whatever that you think the cards are worth, you know, bin option, cheap bin option might be a good play if you got local shows that are doing well there. For sure, man.
Um, it, you know what? I've noticed it's the prices have rose on a retail box just in the last month. I think. I think they've. Well, I know. Um, boxes are forty, fifty dollars now, and just a month or two ago they were twenty and thirty. You you mean new on the shelf at retail? Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's funny. I kind of noticed that too because I think I bought some Topps Chrome on Target.com, and uh, I guess I don't have to say .com, just Target Online. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did notice that too. As prices are up, what products have you been noticing that uh, that in? Um, Chronicles. Yeah, Chronicles. Uh, I ripped four megas just today. Uh, that's something else, man. I, People tell me to hold sealed. I just have a hard time holding sealed. I I don't think I have the willpower to hold a box without ripping it. I, I don't I don't know if that's just me, but I've got to rip. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is fun to rip. I agree with you 100 percent there. I mean that's why I bought that Topps Chrome stuff. It's just I knew I'm flushing money down the toilet, but uh, I think I would like. Uh, it's just fun to rip sometimes. Um, what uh you know did you have something that uh you wanted to bring up is something you had to talk talk about there yeah um well something that caught my eye i just jotted down something real quick the uh a lebron rc a jersey numbered rc card sold for 2.46 million recently that caught my eye i um just want to throw that out there that's crazy it just tells me something about the hobby and which way it's going people are still paying that type of money the interest is definitely still there um it's fun for sure uh also had a couple pros and cons wrote down grading prices dakota the grading prices are are are, are crazy they're high they're high yeah. and they're up there. That's for sure. Did you do any um, grade, you know, grade to sell, grade to flip, whatever you want to call it? Were you doing any of that? You know, because you said you've been in for the last three years. So were you doing any of that before the prices and the times got wild? Grade to flip? Yeah. Um, A little bit. I would be lying if I say I didn't. But yeah, Um, actually that ant I just told, I just showed you, I was kind of thinking about doing that with... Uh, it's selling for around 400, three, 400 right now. Yeah. I, I graded it. I, I can't even find one graded. It might be a pop one. I, honestly, I, I could be wrong, but I couldn't find one. And how did you, how did you come across that Ant-Man? How'd you grab it? Facebook. Facebook. I'm in a bunch of different groups and uh, that's where I do a lot of my uh, wheeling and dealing trading. That's what I do mostly of trading. Cause I, Whenever I sell, I'm getting something back in return, of course, cash. But I'd rather trade because I don't like losing product. I like giving something mm. and getting something back. Now, sense. maybe we can talk about this a little bit because I don't do any deals on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, really. I mean, I've got a couple under my belt. It's not something I really do. So, I mean, how do these deals come to fruition? How is it, uh, you know, you go out and find deals on Facebook? I am... Personally, I am very consistent. Um, one thing that happens, say if you post something, you post, say you just you post a job Morant card. You're trying to you're trying to trade this card. You post it at a certain time of the day. You get no attention on it. Me, if I don't get any attention throughout the day on it, I'll post it again later at night. There might be more eyes on it, and you, you just got to be persistent, consistent, and 
eventually somebody's going to see it. You that's that's the thing. It takes time to find the person that wants what you have, and if you stay consistent with it, you will find that person. And post, post, post. And then, are you doing much buying on Facebook? More recently, yes, yeah. I have been. I'm getting a little tired of spending so much money on on ripping that gets very expensive man i've spent a lot of money ripping so uh that's where i just started buying singles my chase cards i just buy them outright and i think it's a little cheaper (laughs) (laughs) it's certainly a little cheaper yeah it's fun um it had you know i've been looking at some bowman chrome autos and i i almost bought into some breaks man and I was like, you know, there's this uh, Leon guy for the Astros that I like, a rookie in this this new Bowman Chrome set. And I'm like, I could get his rookie auto for probably 70 or 80 bucks. And a spot for a break is like freaking 30 to 35 bucks for a quarter of, uh, or for three hobby boxes, which is six autos. And I'm just like, what are the odds? You know, like it's just, you know, at, at 50% the cost, you're, you're way better off just buying the actual auto outright for double the, the cost of the breaks. Yep. Especially if you have specific chase cards. I guess if you just want to go wild and do some crazy stuff. I don't know, but I don't know. I guess I see the appeal of doing breaks, though, because I'm also never going to, this Leon guy, I'm never going to buy one number to 10, right? I'm never going to fork over that money. But, hey, I could accidentally hit one in a break, you know? So <laughs> I guess we call that gambling, don't we? <laughs> for sure. It, it, it's definitely gambling. Um, For me, I've been getting into more breaks uh, with me buying the chase cards outright instead of ripping as much buying into breaks kind of came along with it. Um, I think it's kind of a, a moment that I get to look forward to, you know, I work all day, I get home, I chill with my family and then I'm just chilling at night and it just gives me something to look forward to at a dead time in the night, you know, it, it's something to look forward to. And let's keep going with that, man. You know, it's something to look forward to. Can we dive into that a little bit more? I mean, what about it? with sports cards and doing it, whether it's the collecting and the buying, you know, everything that you're doing there. What about it, I guess, is exciting and is something for you to, to look forward to, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, what's exciting about it is, uh, for, uh, for me, for sure, I, I've always loved sports. I, I, I grew up watching sports. I, I grew up watching Michael Jordan just killing people and, and winning trophies and and, and that's what that's what grew my love for sports. And um, it just it transitioned into sports cards. And, and still today, I, ho- I hope I'm answering your question. Um, whenever I say, for example, if I buy into a break, I, I'm, I'm searching for a certain player. I, I pick a certain team. I'm searching for that certain player. The breaker pulls it and I see my card come up and it's just like it's a good feeling, I guess. Heck yeah, that's a phenomenal feeling, man. <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Yeah, you, you mentioned like appreciation of sports. Yeah, I definitely feel myself getting pulled in that direction. Like a lot of this vintage stuff I've been looking at recently is like because I just appreciate the sports and like the history. And then like, especially when you start looking at these 50s cards and stuff like that, I feel like, man, this is more than sports history. It's like American history as well, too. Like there's a lot behind it. And that feels pretty good. And then I also guess like, for me, like there's this feeling of progression, like I'm progressing towards something, whether it be like the next card that I want in my collection or satisfying collection, you know, whatever exactly our carrot is at the end of that stick. I do feel like at night I get to work on something that I feel 
is leading to some sort of progression, right? And that, I guess, you know, <laughs> adds meaning to life. I guess that's something that's fun to do. I agree 100%. And now, and you said you're doing this with your son too. Is that right? You said at the beginning? Yes, sir. I did. He, he, uh, he's more of a Pokemon guy currently. <laughs> that's right. We'll convert him. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> uh, that's fun. How old is your son? How long, in, or how long have y'all been doing this together? He is 13. He's 13. And, uh, for the last three years, he wasn't alive yet whenever I was collecting. So whenever I got back into it, he started with me. Oh, okay. And it's, right. it's a joy, man. It's a joy. It's, I completely left that out earlier. Whenever you asked me what, you know, a good things about the hobby was, uh, that's a joy just doing stuff with my son. You know, it, that's, that's probably the best thing. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine. Obviously, I, I don't know that feeling just yet. The daughter's just less than right at a month old, so I don't know that feeling quite yet. But uh, congrats, by the way, man! I get to personally tell you this time. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Yeah, we uh, we're working on it, man. She, but I tell you what, this baby's she was great the first two weeks. She was fussy as hell the next two weeks, and uh, we're learning a little bit now of how to, uh, I guess, get uh, a more. A better sleep schedule for her, so it's making life a little bit easier for us. But it's been kind of difficult the last couple of weeks, that's for sure. I understand, man. I understand. It, it'll get easier. Yeah, man. So uh, your son, you said like like Pokemon, and so do you like buy into breaks with him, and then y'all watch it together, like Pokemon breaks, or yeah. I I'm going to. I haven't done that yet. I, I haven't done that yet with him, but I, I'm for sure going to. Yeah. And then uh, do you have any Pokemon or no? That's not your alley at all. That's all for, for I, the boy. I do. I do. But uh, I, nothing good. I, I had a real good Pokemon collection, but I sold it and, and invested it uh, all the money that I made into sports cards. That's that's something that helped that helped jump my sports cards collection. Um, My son, he uh, he made a big boy decision one day. He had eight hundred dollars worth of value um say if you bring the card to the lcs he walked away with like eight hundred dollars that's how many nice cards he had he had a, a good amount of stuff he um he decided to sell his cards and buy himself a gaming pc mm -hmm. at 13 years old i told him i said man these cards can appreciate they can get more expensive and you can you can be daddy's age one day and you can be a millionaire and he goes, I know, Dad, I'm going to make the big boy decision. I want my gaming PC. Mm -hmm. And we went to the LCS. They cut the check, and and he uh he bought his gaming PC. I was very proud of him. Hey, yeah, I mean, you know, work for something, put everything towards it. You know, that's a good decision there. Now he gets to rock Fortnite every night with his boys, right? That's Oh, man, think? that's his thing. <laughs> <laughs> Watch how fast my hands are, Dad. Watch my hands. <laughs> He's doing a little clicking thing. Da, 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 da. Oh, man. That's pretty funny. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, your collection, Brad. What is it you like to to buy? What are some of the things that you're, uh, I mean, that Ant-Man's freaking awesome. And you said a silver lamello, which is pretty awesome, too. Is there anything else, like, you're pretty happy with? And is it is it almost entirely basketball? Because I think everything up there is basketball. Everything up up there is basketball, yes. Uh, I, man, for the last couple months, uh, I've been really focused on basketball. Like, excuse me. 
I told myself I'm gonna I'm gonna get prepared for basketball season. I'm gonna trade my football. I'm gonna trade my bas my baseball. I'm gonna I'm gonna just get a bunch and I'm gonna be prepared for basketball season. And I did that. And here's basketball season, and here I am, not knowing which direction to go now. I, I don't know what to do with it all. I have a lot. I I have baseball. Sorry, baseball, football, and basketball. But uh, oh man. I, Yeah, <laughs> within arm's reach, you know, cards everywhere, I'm sure, no doubt, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, let me see. I don't know, have you seen the um, the new Chronicles yet? The uh, NBA the, Draft Picks Chronicles? I hadn't got to see them yet, no. Let me see. Um, They're putting mosaics in it now, sorry. Oh, are they? Oh, uh, that's pretty sweet. And who is that? That is Josh Christopher. He was like the number 22 or 24 pick. Hmm, that's interesting. And is that a college jersey or pro jersey? That's college jerseys. This is the, um, from my understanding, it's the only uh, cards available with that draft class so far. So if you want a card of uh, this guy, he supposedly has a lot of hype behind him, Corey Kispert. The Chronicles is the only way to get these cards right now. Oh, so. this is for the um twenty twenty one class. Okay, yeah, I didn't even realize those cards were out yet because I know a lot of this. I know they're still releasing twenty twenty stuff, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, well, that's pretty awesome. And did you find that at uh, you know Target, Walmart, etc.? Yeah, um, that's when I can find it at Walmart. I will buy it almost every time. Almost every time. Do, I mean, do you do you look for that stuff on the regular, or um, just every so often? I, I have to look for it on the regular. If if I don't, it's, I'm never gonna find it. I get. Do That's you, just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, in Baton Rouge. Do you feel like there's more of it on the shelves now, or is it about the same for you? Hmm. I guess about the same. Yeah, you'll get lucky every now and then and hit a restock, but that's. That's you're pretty lucky. You might want to go to the casino casino that day or something. Yeah, yeah. man. I was uh I was hunting retail for about uh, four days when 2020 Prism Football released, and I got super lucky. Hit a restock, bought like 15 blasters, and I've never right. seen a restock since then. Although I didn't need to, <laughs> I made my money that day, right? I mean, that was as good as it gets, basically, as far as that goes. I understand. It's it's uh I think it's uh inside jobs to tell you the truth Dakota I think people have inside jobs they know somebody that works there and the stuff normally the good stuff don't even touch themselves touch the shelves in a lot of situations so chasing you know the restock uh sometimes you'll never find it yeah unfortunately uh the more I find out about the hobby the more I think that there's a lot of bad actors um around the hobby not necessarily in the hobby but around the hobby and that's kind of preventing people inside the hobby from enjoying it as much as we could whether it be you know issues at post offices or you know at retail locations like you said i mean i see i mean it's anecdotal and i don't really have a lot of evidence but you know i see a lot of people say like they know that you know one of the stalkers at a target or a walmart knows you know when that stuff's coming in or at least they see it and then they message somebody say hey come pick this up you know it's available so Exactly.
something um dakota if you don't mind if i bring it up no, uh, yeah. a con about the hobby it, it this i'm the type of person whenever i'm scrolling through facebook i i um uh, 99% of the time if if i don't like what i see i'll just scroll on if they have a $1 card posted for $1000 normally i'll just scroll on you see in these comic sections man the toxic the toxic people like if if you're a brand new person in the hobby you started collecting today and you want to know where to send you want to know where to send your new label your your your, your ball card you want to hey, know hey that's a sweet card it. by the way too uh yeah the optic base is pretty cool just yeah. got this uh on a mail day actually that looks pretty awesome thank you but you want to know you know you just started collecting today and you just got that card it's your first card and you want to know where to send it to get graded you post it on your own in one of the groups and you get so much negativity uh, just you know just just an example you get so much negativity you ask a simple question and so many people like attack that person i don't understand why people have to be like that man that's not right it's that's toxic yeah man i see it all the time whether it's in, and, and frankly it's almost like um it's not i'm not saying the hobby i'm saying hobby like hobbies in general it seems to be a hobby thing like uh i know i've mentioned it a few times on the channel but i, I play magic the gathering you know when i'm not doing this stuff and <clears throat> you know there's chats and stuff just like there's a whole community just like we have and the same thing happens, you know, you have people ask, you know, open, honest questions and people just come in and shit on them, you know, and it's just like, why are you doing it? Like you want, especially, you know, arena magic's a game. You want the game to grow. So you want to be, you know, helpful to people. Same thing for our hobby. We want the hobby to grow. The more people, the more money, the happier we are, the more appreciation for what we have, you know, it's all good. And there's so many people, I don't know what it is, man. If they just don't have someone in their life, they don't have anything to keep them happy, but yeah. They just absolutely turd on people, um, you know, for no real reason. And I don't know, man. It's weird, too. It's like people, there's there's certainly a decent amount of people. I mean, this is not like I'm talking about like some 5%, right? It feels like there's a lot of people who like. It's a big percent. Yeah. It feels like they know what the right answer is. At least they think they know. And to hell with anyone else who thinks differently. You know, like if someone says i like grading with sgc people would be like well you're an idiot for not grading with psa it was like well, exactly. you know, i like sgc you know i mean like let me grade with sgc and then you know god forbid you ever say you know you you don't want to grade with hga you know the internet will absolutely hammer you you know it's crazy stuff like that it's i, I just don't understand it i don't understand why people don't allow for different thoughts uh you know in the hobby to your point it's it's it it just goes to show you uh what type of person that is it has nothing to do with the hobby it has nothing to do with what they think about you know what that person was actually asking asking i i personally think it just says a lot about that person yeah no i mean there's no question right you see that kind of negative stuff and like us you know for my channel like i really especially when i first started i really like hung my hat on i don't block anyone i don't hide any comments you know i get to everybody and i try to have a civil discourse but now i'm at a point where like guys i just don't fucking care what you think and i don't mean that for everyone but i mean if you're gonna come on here and act like an asshole and in like not provide anything for me to chew on but just be negative like <laughs> screw off man go pound sand you know go find something else to do like why are you being so negative like that you know find something constructive and let's work on it and um so just for me more and more, like to your point, I guess I'm noticing it more and more. And I, 
I just immediately, you know, block it out from, from my view. Like I'm saying, eh, I'm not going to read this stuff. You know, I don't, I don't have the time today to read somebody who's, you know, got sand in their pants and just wants to be negative on the internet. Agreed. 100%. You know, something good, Dakota, something good about the hobby. What you got, Brad? You can pay $20 or, or $40 and buy a box of cars and pull a $200 card out of it, man. <laughs> that is good if you can find that box, but absolutely. If you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, even, you know, taking away the fact, yeah, retail, you know, is good. But brakes are kind of, I don't want to say brakes are good. Can we say brakes are good? What are your stance on brakes? You know, you're speaking to me because you talked about put $20 in a box, $40 in a box. It's not really that difference in putting $20 in a portion of a box and trying to get lucky, right? So what, what's your take on brakes? Mm. I really, um, to be honest with you, can't make my mind up if it's good for the hobby or not. Um, I know I'm joining, I'm joining it. I, I'm, I'm doing it myself. Uh, I think it's bringing attention to the hobby, which is the more the merrier, I would think. So that's a really good point, brother. Because, like, if I take my ego out of this and I just say, is it good for the hobby or not? Like, flat on its face, it is good. Forget my moral objection or some nonsense that I have drummed up in my head. Like, it just is good because it certainly, to your point, brings attention, right? And I, I guess there's really not a difference in buying a $20 spot in a break versus buying a $20 box, you know? I mean, same thing. Um, you know, there's just so much shadiness with breaks in general, like, are you using a good breaker? You know, are they pulling the cards off screen? Things like that. And so if anyone is considering breaks, like I would never tell anyone straight up, don't do breaks. If you want to do breaks, do it. I mean, it is what it is, but I would find a breaker that you think is reputable. I, I, and it is something I did like star stick, you know, star stock. I am not, you know, I haven't bought a break from star stock, but if I was going to buy a break, it'd probably be with star stock because, you know, I do believe everything they're doing is above board. So I would feel pretty comfortable using them. I've never used them, Dakota, and after our interview, I'm, I'm, I might have to look into that. I, I've never never even got on their website, never looked into it at all, man. At hey, all. I mean, I don't know, man. You know, I was pretty hot for Starstock, as a lot of people know, earlier, and then I just felt like they fell out of love with me, not me with them. You know, they just, they did a lot, you know, they, they started breaking, and clearly they were making a lot of money doing it, because then every update you ever got from them was about breaking, and then a lot less about buying and selling cards. Uh, uh so it is what it is, though. They have they have some pretty cool breaks, though, because I know recently they just ripped um, a box of 2014 Panini Excalibur, which is the first year of Kaboom cards. So I'm sure a spot for that was outrageously expensive. But like, I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, it's not the normal break stuff. Do you have any breakers that you like to use on eBay, or is there anybody you use in particular? Uh, I, I have been using um one breaker pretty consistent. Uh. Can I, I can say his name on here. I don't have any issue with it. <laughs> um, Eric Fox. I've been using Eric Fox. He uh, he, his page is called Let It Rip. Mm -hmm. Let It Rip. Uh, he's been pretty good. Uh, he's pulled some nice stuff for me. Enjoyable, you know. Yeah. Well, that's good. And uh, he's in. He's in. Is he a local ripper for you, or is he rips for everybody? Oh, that's a good question. Uh. Don't quote me on this. I'm pretty sure he lives pretty close to me uh, a couple hours away. Okay. Yeah. And uh, earlier you had mentioned that, you know, buying wax, maybe it's not to play, just just buy the chase card. You know, are there any cards you're chasing right now in particular? Is there anything you're hot for? More, more of these. What more set? More. What set is that, Ant-Man? 
Uh, select youth explosions. I bought this from a guy, I guess. I was thinking it just came off of a, uh, is it glaring? Yeah, a little bit, but it's all right. So it's a select insert then, select youth explosions. Yes. I mean, that's pretty sweet, man. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty cool card. I really like the look on it. It feels pretty 90s with that kind of prism shimmer in the background. There, you can see the autograph now. Yeah. He's got a pretty good autograph, too, for somebody his age. Most of these guys, man, you're lucky if you get two letters out of them. I don't know if you can read that or not. Nah, we're not going to be able to read it, but that's all right. So is there certain players you're looking for or uh, just anybody? You just like the, the set and you're trying to get some more autos out of that set. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely chasing um certain players right now. Lamelo, Edwards, uh, Ja. I like the way Ja plays. He's um he's exciting to watch. He he's he's a high flyer kind of. You know, he uh, you never know what he's gonna do. He might dunk over three people, jump completely over him. So he's fun to watch. I like watching him. Anthony Edwards. He's I think he's gonna be pretty solid for years to come. I really do. And Lamelo, he's rookie of the year last year, so that that got my attention for sure. Heck yeah, yeah, I love the way Lamelo plays. I know a lot of people kind of shit on Lamelo, but man, I don't know. I'm not a scout. I'm not going to pretend to be a scout, but I do watch games, and sometimes you know guys just pop when they're on the screen. And to me, Lamelo just pops. I you know your eyes always know where he's at when he's on the screen. It's just he's clear and obvious where he's at. He plays a great game of basketball. Um, I don't know. I'm optimistic he can lead a team to a championship, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, you never know, man. It's uh time will tell. That's uh something I gotta I think about all the time. Time will tell. You know, invest if you invest in a card, the only way to know is time. Yeah, and so you're seeing uh seems like you're buying a lot of these younger basketball players, um, but it does seem to be specific. I mean, what's kind of your plan with that stuff? I know you said you're collecting, but I mean do you plan to just kinda build up kind of a collection of each of these guys and just hold it for forever? Or is your plan like, yeah, you know, maybe down the line somewhere, maybe some of these will pay off some of the others kind of thing? I kind of have a rule of thumb. It, I go by it sometimes. Say, uh, I might be contradicting myself. If I could turn a dollar into two, I may do it. I may do it. I know that's a good rule of thumb to go by. If you could turn a dollar into two, do it. Um. I'm okay with money, you know. I'm not hurting with money, so I'm not selling a lot of my stuff. It's hard to answer that, Dakota. Uh, it is hard. <laughs> that's that's the million-dollar question right now that's going through my own head I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> I was hoping you could give me some insight, Brad. Uh, I guess I can't, man. <laughs> I don't think I answered the question. Oh, no, man. that's It's a hard question to answer. I mean, there's so much. Like I've got stuff sitting on my desk right now. Like, this, pull this up. This Patrick Mahomes. Like, to me, this Mahomes... It's a 2018 Optic Hollow BGS 9.5. I got it dirt cheap in a PWCC auction. And like, to me, this is a PC card. I like this card quite a bit. But at the same time, if someone offered me 400 bucks for this, I'd be like, you know, we had a good run, you and me, Mr. Mahomes. You know, like, you'd be gone. You know, like, it's always been that way. And I guess that's why I've been really kind of searching for myself. Like, if I'm buying something, is this PC? Is it for collection? And if it's for collection, how does it fit? Because I think over time, at least what I've experienced, that if I don't know how it fits in my collection or why it's in my collection, at some point I'm just going to get tired of holding it and I'm just going to want to sell it. So 
it's it's better knowing up front that you 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 have that card with the intent to sell because then you can pick the best time to sell versus being burdened with it and just trying to move off of it at some point later in life, right? For sure. I'm the same way. Um my intent is to hold I guess that's why we call it PC. Certain cards that I I just have a feeling I'm going to be handing over to my son and my mm-hmm. daughter one day. But uh a lot of them say if i rip if i rip a box i'm i'm gonna hold like one card out of it i would be willing to move the rest but if you do that for over and over and over years and years and years you wind up with a lot of stuff a lot of stuff and i'm sitting on a lot i'm I'm currently trying to trade a lot of baseball right now for uh nba hit me up Yeah, I mean that's it's it's funny how fast this stuff can amass. Like you just don't even notice it, you know. And just slowly you look around, you're like, "Oh shit!" You know, I got thirty thousand cars I'm sitting on here. I probably need to move off of some of this stuff, you know. I'm sitting on man, over a hundred thousand cars. Man, is a lot of that stuff like base stuff from rips and from yeah. wax? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I got to the. I mean, because I was for a long time, I held that stuff, man. And then I just got to a point, man. It just goes to the recycle bin. I mean, what else am I going to do with it? I mean, if I don't do that, it's just going to cost me money to get rid of it, or it's just going to take up space in storage for no reason. So, you know, somebody I just, offered me thirty five dollars for my boxes. I have five uh, five thousand count bulk boxes, and offered me thirty five dollars for the entire box. I turned it down. I, I, I thirty five dollars is uh, I didn't want it that bad. So what I'm going to do is uh. Me and my my fiance are making bags with candy in it for Halloween, and I'm gonna put just a handful of cards in there and send them off. Hey, there you go. I like it. That's fun. Um, I like that idea because like a lot of people, they get mad when I say like I just throw them in the bin or recycle them or whatever. But like the, I mean, to me the the alternative. I mean, right now it's Halloween, so what you're doing is great and it's you know really good timing. But um, the alternative is like you send it to Goodwill or something, donate it. But the problem with sports cards in the wild is everyone thinks every sports card is worth a million dollars when they don't know jack about sports cards. And then so you go to Goodwill and that stuff gets overpriced, which is hard to imagine that's overpriced at Goodwill, but it is. And then someone, you know, overpays. And I don't want to see that. I actually want to prevent that. So I actually am pretty anti giving my stuff to Goodwill or like in a garage sale to somebody I don't know, you know, like I'd rather just bend it so no one else overpays for it. Understood. But I like that. Uh, I like that Halloween idea. That's pretty good. I should have thought of that. Yeah, man. Or, or uh, I, I've been thinking about it a lot because, like I said, I'm sitting on a lot of cards, and um, I'm actually in the process of trying to figure out what I want to do with it. I know I'm not going to give a hundred thousand cards away at Halloween. I'm just. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I can't give an eight year old an eight year old uh, a twenty pound box of cards and let him walk the streets getting candy with. Six thousand cards in a box. <laughs> Here you go, kid. Just yeah. go knock yourself out, kids. Can yeah. barely carry it. Oh my god. Uh, something else I was thinking about is uh, maybe going to a, a children's hospital or something like that. I don't know. I haven't did much research in it if they would even accept it. But uh, something I was looking into is possibly bringing it to like a children's hospital and, and giving it. I'd rather do that than take thirty five dollars for five thousand cards. That's just me. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I guess if anybody in, in chat's made it this far, uh, if you know, if that's something that is doable, you know, comment down below, leave that for us. Maybe that'd be a good tidbit someone's got. I know some people have donations and stuff, and I'm, maybe I'm a, just a cheap bastard, but 
it's also hard to ship cards. It's got to be local. You know, I, I, you, what are you, you're not going to pay to ship 5,000 cards. I mean, there's just no point, you know? Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. So it's got to be something you can do locally. So, yeah, maybe if hospitals take it, that's a pretty good idea. Shipping, shipping. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. That if you uh, if you're trading and buying and selling like pretty consistent, um, you better have a little time on your hands. Go stand in line at the post office. That uh, that takes time as well. Every everything I do in this hobby, it it, it takes time, and I have to find like a, a happy middle, a median, um, in my personal life, in my work. It's a uh, it's a fine line there for sure. I can certainly relate to that. That's something I've definitely been readjusting here with the baby and the channel and all that. And as my channel kind of goes into a different direction here, a part of it is the time constraint that, you know, is just real. And um, so that's for sure. Although I don't know about standing on the line in no post office. What are you standing in line for, man? Just put that stuff in the mailbox. They pick it up. I know. I've, I've been highly considering doing that. It, it would be so much easier. I, I tell you what, I got a rule of thumb, actually. I got some boxes over here. Well, if it's a box, because, well, I moved and now I have like the community letterbox thing. So if I have an actual box of cards, I got to take it in. But if it's less than 200 bucks, I just put it in the bin and let them pick it up. If it's more than 200 bucks, I'll go to, I'll, I'll go to the post office and, um, you know, make sure I get that scan just so I get that insurance. What, uh, what site are you using to, to make your labels? That's something I don't have yet is, is a site to make my own labels. Well, yeah, most of my sales are on uh, eBay, but if I'm not using eBay, you can use PayPal. PayPal will, will make the same labels as eBay, basically, um, and for the same price, you know, basically, like, because you're in Louisiana, so probably, like, you know, $325, $350 to ship anywhere in the U.S. for, you know, a you know, $100 or less card. Um, so, yeah, you, if you use PayPal, you can, like, you know, purchase shipping or uh, something like that and uh, just go through the prompts, you know, and it'll give you it'll give you something you just – I print it out on a white piece of paper, cut it out, and then and – then, tape it to the the bubble mailer i see your texans uh helmet back there that's a texans helmet yeah, yeah. are you from texas yeah i'm from houston i i'm from i'm from houston me and my wife when i started the channel we were in austin we moved back to houston um i guess a little bit once we realized we were gonna have a baby because that's where our family's at so yeah i'm not too far from baton rouge awesome man awesome yeah, yeah man and it, well, you're wearing the Saints stuff, man. Are you like the Saints or what? What are we doing here? I specifically picked this one out for the uh, for the meeting with you, man. I, I couldn't make my mind up, and I just went with the Saints. I'm, yeah, I pulled. I saw. Saints, I saw you had the Saints out, so I I pulled that out. That's a Breeze Auto to 15 there. That's a wow. pretty sweet card. Beautiful. I picked that up pretty cheap at the Houston Car Show, actually. And if you get a chance to go, I'd recommend going. the Houston Car Show is big. I mean, it's big like the. It's not as it's not as big as the Dallas now, but you know, it's it's big though. And um, I don't know, man. Some of this stuff, I just I feel like some of this stuff, this auto stuff, is is pretty undervalued right now. I agree. Whenever he hits the Hall of Fame, it's uh, it's definitely gonna get a kick, a boost. Yeah, you know, Breeze is a funny one too, because I like you look at his numbers. He's no question an all time great. I mean, numerically speaking, he's probably number two all time right now. Of course, no one I don't think would really seriously argue he's number two. But I really feel like his cards don't get that much love, even though they're actually you know pretty old. There's not that many. And uh, I don't know. I'll be curious to see what they do once he finally does haul or, you know, now he's on TV too, and he seems to be pretty good. So maybe that'll help his card prices. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Couldn't have said it better myself. <clears throat> I really don't understand why, why his cards are so undervalued. Uh, Breeze is the man, you know, he, <laughs> he has a lot of records and uh, 
like you said, I agree. Uh, <clears throat> I want to say he's the best quarterback ever, but I think Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just not arguable, like right? It's like not even an opinion. It's just a fact that Brady's the best. <clears throat> what uh, what Funko Pops do you have up there, man? Uh, nothing special. That's just a. Uh, I was in Walmart one day and got a wild hair. That's a beast from yeah, Marvel. Beast. That's pretty that cool. One. No. The other one's Alvin Kamara. Hey, there you go. Yeah, I bought more of the Saints ones, but uh, I gave a few to my dad. He didn't have much sports stuff, and he's a sports guy. So I gave him a Drew Brees signed football, a couple uh Saints Funko Pops, and uh, Archie Manning cards, and, you know, some Saints greats, and he's happy. You know, it's almost funny to me, man. There's so many sports fans in America, especially football fans. And to me, it's crazy to me that you could be so fanatic to go sit out in a parking lot all day on a Sunday, not even watch the game, you know, just sit out there and the game's going on inside the stadium, and but then you don't collect football cards. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I don't understand. So much of my enjoyment from sports is, like, from the, the hobby, you know, and it's just, like, it's crazy to me that people enjoy sports that much and but then don't enjoy the hobby. Like, I just... It's just, I, I don't know. It does not click in my brain. I don't know why. Just they go together, don't they? Yeah, like to me they do, but, you know, everyone's different. You know, that's just the way it is, so. Wanted to show you, uh, hopefully I can find it quickly. I actually pulled 2K Cunningham Optics. Oh. Rated, uh, rated rookies. Out of the uh, boxes that I ripped. There's one. So you found a couple optic boxes recently? No, no, no. Uh, came out of Chronicles. Oh, out of Chronicles. Oh, Cade. I'm sorry. Yeah, man, that is freaking awesome. This uh, optic cool. preview. I don't understand those. I don't understand why the optic previews get absolutely no love. I mean, preview cards get no love. I, they must be printed to the moon, but so is regular optic. Who cares? You know, and this one came out first. You know. <clears throat> the thing with Chronicles is if uh, if you want to get your value. Out of Chronicles, like after you buy it and you're looking to flip it, you better do it quick because uh, it's it's pretty much a known fact that it, that price is going to drop quickly as soon as them pro unis come out. Yeah, but who knows when that stuff's going to come out? I don't know of any announcements right now for when 2021 pro unis are coming out. They got all these uh, supply ch ch uh, chain shortages because of the shipping issue in California and. Um, so who knows when that stuff's going to come out. But still, you're 100% right. Like, football's, just, you know, prism draft pick, picks, you know. People kind of laugh at it. But you can make good money on that stuff if you buy it right away and then sell it right away. You know, there's actually pretty good sure. money there. But to your point, as soon as, as soon as pro uniforms come out, yeah, forget about it. <clears throat> yeah, I like Chronicles personally myself. Uh, I like the hits out of them. I'm not crazy yeah. about every card in the box or nothing. But, uh, like, the one I just showed you in the silver is – them are some nice looking cards. Yeah, I like it too because like they really cut down on who's in the in the in the product, and they really only put like good rookies in there for the most part. And so that's kind of nice because then like I ripped I think like six hangers of Chronicles football, and I got like twenty five Justin Jeffersons, fifteen Herberts, you know, and that's fun, you know, you're getting the good players and like yeah, they're three dollar cards, but it's still fun to rip those guys. Uh, you. You uh, it took the words out of my mouth. What I was about to say, I pulled probably twenty, literally twenty, Cade Cunninghams. Yeah, man, 
That's out awesome. of the rip I just told you about. Uh, a couple of them, the two I was telling you about are $20, $30 card, I guess. Yeah. Those pretty are pretty cool. sweet, too. I mean, I like that, um, I don't know, that those cards you were showing look pretty good, almost like a mirror finish because it's got that real stark white background. Clear. Yep. That's um, how, uh, that's, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. That's how the Edwards is that we were just talking about the auto. It's got a mirror finish on it. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sweet. And, you know, you're out there by LSU. Um, you know, college football, obviously a big deal in Louisiana. I'm probably even bigger where you're at. What do you think about, man, uh, these college players are going to start to get paid. They're going to, you know, be able to use their likeness. And we're probably going to start to see cards with, you know, college unis and guys in their freshman year, sophomore year in, in, in college. I mean, do you think stuff like that is going to be popular out there in Baton Rouge? Um, The right ones, for sure. The right mm -hmm. cards, for sure. Uh, the local guys will always sell, for sure. Uh, speaking of LSU, I, I work on elevators at LSU. Um, not every day, but uh, we have a contract with them. So I'm an elevator mechanic. And I go around to different colleges, buildings, and I'm at a LSU quite a bit. It's uh, kind of cool, actually. Yeah. That's... Mm -hmm. Elevator mechanic in Baton Rouge, is that <laughs> don't be an asshole, but is that a lot of it must be a lot of apartments, right? Gotta be a lot of apartments. Uh no, they um well we have we have government contracts, you know, you'll have a courthouse, you'll have uh just anything with <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, we don't have we don't we don't have a lot of skyscrapers or anything. But... Yeah. Government buildings, we have that contract. We have uh, colleges like SLU and Hammond. We have, you know, just different colleges. Yeah. I mean, any major city like that, I mean, you just end up having like, you know, at least one major co college campus and then probably a couple of handful of other ones around, and they all have a ton of elevators on them. So. The Sheriff's Department, Wildlife and Fisheries, anything government, you know, them are nice-sized buildings. How long have you been doing uh... – how long have you been an elevator elevator mechanic? Not long. I'm the new guy. Uh, oh, all right. I worked, I worked on um, uh, computers and appliances for for years and years and years. And the company I was working for was going down. It wasn't making money. Um, mm -hmm. I realized that and I left. And so I've been elevator elevator guy for five months. Five months. Five months. Mm -hmm. My goodness. What is a training like to be an elevator mechanic? Like, is it pretty quick? Like, hey, here's two days of lessons, or is it like, no, you got to go through two months of school, or what's it like? Well, uh, it's it's not bad. I mean, I guess it depends on who you get with. I, I got a a decent a decent guy I'm working with. Uh, just you just got to be all eyes. You have to watch what's going on. Everything in elevator work has to be perfect, level perfect. So. It's 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 something I've never seen before, really. It, it, everything has to be so perfect. You have to just be very cautious because whenever you're building an elevator, human lives are going to get on that thing whenever you're done. And uh, it's very precise, and it's a small group of people that do it. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty wild. I, you know, it's funny you even say this because, like, my mom, she works downtown in Houston, and uh, I went a couple weekends ago. I went with her to get some stuff out of her office. She's in one of these skyscrapers, man. She's on like floor 36 or something. 
that was the wildest elevator ride in my life. I'm like, I'm not about this, man. I mean, you just, you go from zero to 25 in like three seconds. I'm like, I don't think I'm supposed to move that fast vertically. You know, that's too far, you know. It's it's pretty crazy. And then when you get up there and you're at 30, you know, the elevator's kind of rafting around. I'm like, man, this, I hope the elevator mechanic was good. You know, I hope they knew what the hell they were doing. Cause we're pretty high up here at this point. My goodness. My supervisor's going to watch this and, uh, yeah, he's going to, he's going to, uh, I'm going to leave him out of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. That's pretty crazy. It's different. You know, you don't meet too many elevator mechanics. I don't know. I mean, you're just five months in, but, uh, I mean, like the works, it pretty good. And I guess, are you putting it in new, are you do, mostly doing like new buildings, putting it in, or are you mostly doing like maintenance stuff? Uh, now, mostly, uh, from what I was told, like I said, I've only been there five months, yeah. but uh, it's it's more maintenance now. They were doing a lot of construction before I got there. We we still have a couple construction jobs but uh uh from what i understand there's more money in maintenance and it's easier work so that's kind of what we're starting to gravitate towards from what i see Hmm. that's pretty interesting i guess i'm not surprised there's more money i mean there's just i think there's honestly more customers it's probably one of the few things in constructions where there's probably like more more customers in existing build than a new build you know, they just, well, I don't know, at least in, in Texas, they're putting up so many apartment complexes everywhere, but all those, those are stairs only for the most part in Texas. I think we have a limit of three stories. So you, you need, you have to know somebody to get in on a elevator company. You have to know somebody to get in. Um, I've known people that's been trying to be an elevator mechanic for, for years and years and years. And they're sitting in, a, they're sitting in a long line, never, their names never getting called. Uh, I'm very fortunate. My first cousin has been at that company for for six years, um, and he just knew that I was. I told I mm-hmm. I knew I was going to have a job when I left. Yeah, is why, why I left my old job. So <clears throat> that makes I was sense. Very fortunate. Yeah, I guess that would be a pretty big difference to go from like you know fixing washing machines and fridges to <laughs> aligning an elevator or something. It's it's uh, way different. It, it, I was trying to like transition and see what I could bring my old job to my new job. I can't bring shit. <laughs> it, it just doesn't go together. Doesn't go. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. I mean, so you got elevator mechanic, you got the kids, you got the cards. Is there anything else like you kind of enjoy doing on the, on the side here as a hobby? I mean, I, I know you got the YouTube up there too. I mean, yeah. Is there anything else that you really enjoy doing? Um, Outside of cards? Outside of cards, you mean? Yeah, yeah, outside of cards. Or yeah. Um well, uh other than other than my son and my daughter, uh my fiance, she uh she does her own thing. She does penny shopping. Um you ever heard of penny shopping? No, I don't know what that is. What is it? Um dollar stores and uh different places. Whenever they go to remodel the store, they will it's hard for me to explain because I don't do it, but I do it with her. She knows more about it. So the, the you tag the, along. Some of their prices they drop down to a penny in the store. Dang. If they don't pull it off the shelf and like do something in their system correctly, you can go in and take your phone and scan the code. It'll say one penny, and it'll be like a shirt or something, it, something crazy. A yeah, yeah. shirt that you'll get for a penny, and you get there early in the morning. And you, you literally walk out the store with like four buggies full of stuff. And it's, it's just a chase kind of, you know, it, yeah, it's yeah. a chase. It's kind of a high when you finally get to do it. Yeah. 
we do stuff like that. Uh, I bring my son to the park. He's a, a daredevil for sure. He, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I live a pretty normal life, I guess. <laughs> well, you said a fiance. When are y'all due to get married, man? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. On she, it. She's working on it right now, actually. Um, we're trying to figure out where we're going to want to do it at and where we're going to want to go after. I'm thinking the mountains. For that our sound good. Heck yeah. How long have y'all been engaged? Hmm. Uh-oh. Put him on three the spot. Years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, About three years. Oh, man. Now, I mean, I'm sure, you know, my sister just recently got married, too. I'm, I'm sure with COVID and everything, it made everything a mess, you know. Uh, I mean, a lot of stuff got postponed, unable to even plan. Who even knows when you're going to get back to normal? Now it seems like you can kind of plan stuff at this point, but the last two years have been quite a mess. Speaking of COVID, do you think that it's getting better or worse? I think um, I think COVID is is here, you know, to stay. COVID's not something that's just going to go away. You know, it's just it is now, unfortunately, forever a part of our environment. Um, I think that it, it is a completely no, no, novel virus, or at least it was, and so it was hard for us to understand a lot of things. I think I think we as a society are, are getting better at understanding it. I think we as a society need to understand each other a little bit better, uh, but I think we're understanding it better. I think we're going to keep seeing these seasonal like changes and stuff, and you're just going to see... I mean, we keep seeing these peaks and things like that, and it, it happens when? It happens in the south when it gets hot because people go indoors. It happens in the north when it gets cold because people go indoors. Like, it's happening when people go indoors. That's what happens. And so just, you know, maintaining, you know, a little bit of um, social distance and things like that when, you know, you're in crowded places and things like that, I guess, helps. But overall, I, I definitely think it's getting better, and I think we're basically getting back to normal, you know? Uh, what normals, what the new normal is going to be anyway. What about you? What do you think? I'm with you. I think it's here to stay. I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, I think this pretty much is our new normal. What's, what's going on right now is, is probably how it's going to be. Yeah. It's a really good point, Brad. Cause I, I honestly do think, you know, me and my wife lived in Austin. We, we were going to the office every day. COVID hit. Boom. We're not in office. I may literally never go work in office again. Like that. I, I think that's normal for me now, you know, and same with her and with a lot of people with those types of jobs. And I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that changes things. I mean, that's really going to change landscapes. You know, if you look at, you look at, you know, like Austin or Houston, Texas or whatever, you know, these big cities and you've got all these major companies who are downtown and then they have these offices. And then if all of a sudden nobody has offices because everyone's working remote, you're going to start freeing up a lot of space in the middle part of cities, like like real nice real estate in the middle of cities. And so who knows, man? I think I actually think overall this is going to be a net positive for the world, for work, work-life balance and things like that. I think it's going to be a net positive, but it's certainly been a rough ride the last 18 months or so. It has been. It has been. I, I've, I've been a fortunate one, man. I, I haven't missed any work throughout it all and i know everybody can't say that i know i know that a lot of people have lost their jobs directly due to covid and i'm not one of them and i'm I'm thankful for that for sure yeah absolutely i'm glad to hear that i'm glad you're doing well i'm glad the family's doing well yeah it's it certainly was an adjustment period and we're still going to go through that i do think we're still going to see i think we're going to see a lot of automation and a lot of jobs i I know now it's funny enough uh, i was just doing some stuff with my family today 
And they were talking about like the Jack in the Box by their houses like closed all the time because they don't have enough employees because they can't they can't get people to come in and work. You know, it's like, man, that's wild. And um, you know, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. yeah, I uh, I, I I ordered Pizza Hut today. Yeah. I ordered Pizza Hut today. I, I went in at like one thirty and got my pizzas and they were talking about shutting down because there was only two people there and their phone wouldn't stop ringing. <laughs> oh my that's exactly what she said about Jack and the same thing. And that's so crazy. And I mean, a lot of people, I, I'm completely ignorant. So people don't, don't rant at me in chat, but like a lot of people say, I guess there's like a lot of stimulus checks and things like that, you know, and there's just, there's just benefits right now. So people don't necessarily need to work. And you know, at some point that's going to have to stop. And if it doesn't, I mean, these companies are going to figure out how to automate this stuff. I mean, that's their, when you put a company up against the wall and say either go bankrupt or figure a way to survive, they're going to figure a way to survive. And so then if, if that, if that government money does stop rolling in and then, but automation's already happened, you know, it's going to hurt a lot of people. Um, cause there's going to be a huge loss of, of jobs that have been replaced by robots. Essentially. There were a lot of people making more money, not going to work other than their regular job. Say if they were making $200 a week, the government was giving them $600 to not go to work. Why would you, you know? Yeah. I guess uh, that's uh, like a COVID stipend just to get through the, you know, the hard times is there was a lack of jobs, but we've seen a pretty big, I mean, whatever. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head. I don't want to get into politics, but I'm pretty yeah. sure we saw a pretty big resurgence in jobs, right? Like at the beginning of the year. And then, well, this whole shipping thing is a whole mess on the West Coast there. You know, they, there's a whole backlog of shipping containers. I mean, I know Upper Deck announced that they're going to cancel three lines of hockey this year because they can't get the products in because of the, the backlog uh, in California there. That's news to me. I'm glad you told me that. I didn't know uh, about that in California. I did not know. Yeah, it's going to have... I mean, that's going to have pretty big effects. I mean, because when you look at the supply chain, I mean, those ships are booked well in advance. And if they have to now sit in a port at California for two weeks versus, you know, they're supposed to turn around in 48 hours, be back on the ocean, you know, in 72 hours. Well, if they're sitting in that port for two weeks, then I mean, you know, then they're two weeks late getting back to China to pick up the next supply of whatever. And that makes, you know, that shipment now to and then it just it just snowballs. So. It's something they're going to have to figure out pretty fast because it really could be an issue if they let it get out of hand. Yeah, shipping's a big deal for sure. Heck yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. But anyway. Yeah, man. All right. Well, did you have anything else you wanted to discuss today, Brad? Uh, no, uh, that's pretty much it. I just had a few notes wrote down, and we pretty much touched on them, man. Uh, I enjoyed my time, and um, thank you for having me for sure. It was an absolute Pleasure to get to meet you uh, virtually in person, Brad, and uh, to chat. And tell us again on the back there, you've got your email, brad10poche at gmail.com. Brad10poche at gmail.com. Um, my e that's my email and my YouTube and Facebook, which are identical currently. I'm going to change the name on my YouTube down the line, but they are both Brad Poche Jr. And what are you doing on YouTube? I only have two little YouTube videos, man. One's of a um, candy red Mustang drop top that I was proud of. Uh, <laughs> and What do you uh, mean was proud of? Is it no longer with us? Yeah, it's uh, it was a rental. It yeah. was a rental I had for work. Uh, I have a, I own an Infiniti G35, but the Mustang was nice. It was 
that's what you'll see if you go to my page mm-hmm. and a box of Bowman uh, baseball that me and my son uh, opened up. And yeah, I'm definitely in the future planning on um, adding to my videos on my YouTube channel, uh, dealing with cards for sure. Sports cards talk, sports cards ripping with me and my son. And um hope to see you and everybody else there, Dakota. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure, Brad. I thank you so much for uh, for doing this, for being here, and for for sharing your knowledge and your insights, sir. No problem, man. Thank you.